Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, once again, as we're ministering on defining moments. Defining moments. Once again, let's look at the definition of the word define. It means state or describe exactly the nature, scope, or meaning of. It means to make up or establish the character of. And it means to mark out the boundary or limits of. Let me say that one more time because I need to get that word in your spirit. It means to state or describe exactly the nature, scope, and, or meaning of. It means to make up or establish the character of. And it means to mark out the boundaries or limits of. And we know the word moment means it is a particular stage in something's development or in a course of events. The word moment is a particular stage in something's development or in the course of events. So what is God saying? God's saying there are particular, there is particular stages in your spiritual development. There are going to be some course of events in your life that will define or reveal your spiritual state or describe the nature or scope or give meaning of your life. Come on, say amen, somebody. He's saying there are particular stages in your spiritual development. There are going to be some course of events in your life. That will reveal and establish your character of who you really are. Hello. There's a particular stage in your spiritual development. There's going to be some course of events in your life. That will mark out the boundaries you have put on yourself. Or the limits you have put on yourself. Come on say amen somebody. Amen. These are all defining moments. Somebody say defining moments. And we will all have defining moments in our lives, especially this year. Let me say it again. We will all have defining moments in our lives, especially this year, because of what we're believing God for. Come on. The bigger the prize, the bigger the defining moment. Oh, Carl, you're with me out here. Now, we've been looking at what we call the Hall of Faith. Where we're seeing each one of these people in the hall of faith had a defining moment in their lives. To turn once again to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4. For those of you who have your Bibles. And it says here, by faith, Abel what? Offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By which he obtained witness that he was what? Righteous. And God testifying of his gifts. And by it being what? Dead yet speaketh. Now, we know Abel's defining moment was whether or not he's going to give God his best or the one-eyed chicken. Come on, with me out here. Whether he's going to give God his leftovers or his first fruit. And we know Abel passed the test. Amen? But guess what? Cain failed. Are you with me out there? Then in verse 5 it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And was not found because God had what? Translated him. For before his translation, he had a testimony. It was a testimony that he what? Pleased God. Now we know when Enoch reached the age of 65, because before age 65, he was not, he didn't, have, he didn't have no knowledge of who really God was. Amen? So at the age of 65, he had a defining moment. He was faced with walking with God or walking with the world. 
In his defining moment, he chose to please God. Somebody say, please God. Look at verse 7. It says, by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with what? Fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the what? Righteousness, which is by what? Faith. Once again, this was a what? Defining moment for Noah. He had a defining moment whether to go with the norm of society or go with what God says is right or wrong. Come on, are you with me out here? So in the end, what was Noah's reaction to his defining moment? Genesis 6.22. What did Noah do? Thus Noah did what? Thus did Noah according to how much? Some might say all. Some might say all. All that God commanded, so did he. Then going back to Hebrews 11.7, once again it says, By faith, being warned of God of things not, yet, not seen as yet, Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heirs of the righteousness, which is by what? Which is by what faith? It says by what? By what faith? Because why? In that defining moment, we really find out where your faith truly is. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, how he responded in that defining moment determined the fate of his entire household. Whether or not his household what? Will be condemned with the world or whether or not his household will be saved from the judgment. See, if you're going to be even nominated for the hall of faith, there are going to be defining moments in your life while you listen, where you have to choose whether to do what? Right or wrong or what direction you're going to go into. Come on, say amen, somebody. Once again, look at what God says in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 9. Tell your neighbor, you're going to have a defining moment, and you're going to have to choose. Come on, tell me, you're going to have to choose. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. He said, I call heaven and earth, heaven and earth, heaven and earth, to record, record this day against you that I've set before you what? Life and death, blessings and what? Cursing, therefore do what? Choose life that what? Both thou and thy seed may what live. God said, I said before you what? Life and death, blessing and cursing. Amen. And there's a record being written in heaven and on earth of which one you have chosen. All of heaven will look at that record in, in, in heaven to see what you did in that defining moment when you were presented to do the right thing. Or the wrong thing. Hallelujah. It even says earth is recording what you do in that defining moment. And guess what? Your family is in the balance of the choices you make. Let me say that once again. Your family is in the balance of what? Some of the choices what? You make. And say they're going to be defining moments that can have the potential of changing the course of your life and others. Amen. Go back to Hebrews 11.8. Because now we're looking at Abraham. And he had a lot of defining moments. <laughs> Somebody say he had a lot. 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It says, by what? Faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have after received for an inheritance, he did what? Obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. And you're going to find in every defining moment, your faith is involved. Your faith is involved in making the right choice. See, in that defining moment, sometimes your flesh gets in the way. And you make the wrong choice. In that defining moment, sometimes your reasoning gets in the way. And you end up what? Making the wrong choice in that what? In that defining moment. Why? Because faith and flesh doesn't mix. Faith and reasoning doesn't mix. And that defining moment is going to have to be by what? By what? By what? By what? Faith. Now, I call them defining moments, but the Shumas calls them tests of faith or heavenly tests. And by definition, it says, heavenly test is one that forces a person to choose between God's will and his own nature or understanding of what is right. Let me say it again. The Shumas calls it test or, or heavenly test. And by definition, it says a heavenly test is one that forces a person to choose between God's will and his own nature or understanding of what is right. And see, Abram was tested by being forced to subordinate his wishes, subordinate his wisdom to those of God. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Abram had to prove his greatness. Matter of fact, by 10 tests or faith. Somebody say 10. Now, he had to prove it by 10. How many of you have to be proven by? Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. And in this defining moment, Abram and Sarai was challenged to do what? They were challenged to sever all ties with their past. Oh, shake it. They were challenged to sever all all ties with their loved ones. Amen. In other words, they were challenged to start life all over again. Amen. And there were three levels he was leaving. It said his country. Come on, his what? Country, which is what? His customs, his friends, his acquaintances. Come on, his occupation. Everything he knew, he was challenged to leave it. Then it says he is challenged to leave his kindred. Who are the kindred? We know who they are. Uncle John, Uncle Sally. Come on, say amen, somebody. Cousin Mildred. Those you grew up with. He said sever the relationship. Then it says, leave your father's house. Now he's getting a little deeper. Come on. Your father's house is what? Your immediate family. That may mean your mama, your daddy, your sisters, your brothers, those that live in your house, and it could be your son or daughter depending on how old they are. Amen. So this becomes a what? Defining moment for you. 
Can you walk away and don't look back when God tells you to leave? Go into the land that I will show ye. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. And he tells you to go and you don't know where you're going. All you got is leave. Start packing up and go. But once again, this is where your faith is what? Your faith was what? Challenge. Somebody say challenge. But this was number one. Somebody say this is number one. So what did Abram do in this defining moment or test of his faith? Look at Genesis 12, 4. It says, so Abram did what? Abram what? Departed as the Lord has spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was what? Seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Folks, don't take your defining moments lightly, folks. You got to take them seriously. Tell your neighbor you got to take them seriously. Look at verse 5. And Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all the substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan and into the land of Canaan they came. So here they are. They're in the land of Canaan. And just after he settled down in his new homeland where God promised him every manner of blessing, what happens? A famine hits. Somebody say a famine hits. Look at verse 10. And it says, and there was what? Famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was what? Was grievous in the land. This was a bad time. Come on, say amen, somebody. But this was defining moment number two. See, in this defining moment, he had to really decide if this was God's voice or not. Because this is famine. I'm in Egypt now when I'm supposed to be in Canaan. And see, some of us have been there. Come on, we believe we made the right decision. Come on, we did, but something bad happens that causes us to question that decision, even though it was the right decision. Come on, you with me out there. So what happened? He went to Egypt, but he didn't go completely in faith. But he didn't go to Egypt like God told him in that defining moment. But as soon as he passed that test, what he greatly feared ended up happening. Because his third defining moment is when he ended up compromising what he did. He ended up compromising. What did he do? He told the Egyptians that Sarah was his what? His sister to do what? To save his own butt. Come on, his flesh and his reasoning got the best of him. And in that defining moment, he made a bad decision that could have cost him and his family materially and spiritually since Sarah was to be the matriarch of God's chosen family. Come on, are you with me out there? What did God do during this, this failure of Abraham's defining moment? His lack of faith when he failed the faith test? Look at verse 17. The Lord plagued Pharaoh. And his house with what? Great plagues because why? Sarah, Abraham's wife. God saved us but and saved his wife. Thank God he'll save your butt when you make the wrong decision in them defining moments. You better say thank you, Lord. Because a lot of us made some bad decisions. Amen. Glory to God. Look at Genesis 14, 11. 
His fourth defining moment and test of faith was when he had to face those four kings after Lot and his family was taken. Genesis 14, 11, talking about those four kings, and it says they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all the victuals, and they went their way. And they took who? Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt where? And Sodom and his goods and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mari and the Amorite, brother of Eschar and the brother of Adnar, and these were confederate with Abraham. Now, in this situation, when Abram heard what happened to Lot, Abram could have went two different directions. Because why? He could have said, listen, that boy made his own bed. Now he has to what? He has to sleep in it. So he made the decision, so that's on him. He didn't have to go to Sodom. He could have had where I'm at right now, but because of his greed and thought he was getting something better, not realizing wherever you go, the blessing's going to make it a garden even anyway. But he didn't understand that. So Abraham could have said, hey, that's on him. Shouldn't have went out there anyway. Come on, say amen, somebody. But what did Abram do in verse 14? And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, once again, notice he didn't call him his nephew at this point. He called Lot his brother. Because you're still your brother's keeper. Amen. There comes a time, even in your children's life, but no longer, they're no longer your children, but now they're brother or sister in the Lord. Okay, let me try over here. There comes a time in your life, in your Christian life, where guess what? They're no longer just your children. They are your brother and sister in the Lord. And you got to treat them like your brother and sister in the Lord, just like you treat every other brother and sister in the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So he looked past his natural bloodline and they addressed him by his what? Spiritual bloodline. What did he do? He armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and did what? Pursued them unto Dan. Look at verse 16. And he did what? He brought back what? All the goods. And also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the, and the white people. So in this defining moment, Abraham yielded to the will of God concerning his brother. He took care of his brother. He took care of his sister. You take care of family. I'm not talking about natural family. I'm not talking about bloodline family. I'm talking about that family sitting beside you or behind you or in front of you. You take care of family. Even if they got themselves in that, in that trouble, you still take care of them. And you don't beat them up for making mistakes. Because at one time you made the same mistakes or probably worse. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. But in the final moment, he yielded to the will of God concerning his brother. Let's look at the 50 final moment. Go back to, go to Genesis 16.1. Now, we're very familiar with this one. Genesis 61, the fifth defining moment. 61 says, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, named, a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was who? 
Hagar. Understand this. Egyptian women were very pretty. As a matter of fact, if you do a study, she was actually the Egyptian princess. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, we have no record of Abram having eyes for Hagar. We have no record of Hagar trying to come on to Abram to entice him. Come on, say amen, somebody. So at this point, the only woman for Abraham was his wife. But this defining woman was twofold. Let's read on. Verse 2. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has restrained me from barren. I pray thee, go into unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. In other words, you have the child, I'll raise it up. I'll adopt the child, I'll raise it up. Amen. And it says that Abram did what? Hearken to the voice of Sarah. Now, in this defining moment, Abraham was what? He was presented with the opportunity to believe the promise of God or listen to his wife who evidently did not fully believe what God said. Why? Listen, this is right after, verse in chapter 15, this is right after God made covenant with Abraham concerning his seed. This is right after God came down as a smoking furnace and a burning lamp. This is right after God himself swear, if this doesn't happen, I'll destroy myself. That's how strong this covenant was. But at that time, guess what? When God cut that covenant, that was enough for Abraham. But somewhere along the line, he got confused concerning this covenant. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. What happened? Somebody say time. Come on, say time. Come on, say time again. Time and going by what they seen and not what they believed. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. What does Sarah start doing? Sarah started looking at herself. Come on, she's saying, hey, my time clock is running out. And it doesn't look like nothing is happening here. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, I'm getting older and older and older. And guess what? I'm still barren. It ain't like we haven't been trying. Oh, come on, say amen. Either there's something wrong with you or there's something wrong with me. See, this was a married woman talking like, like this when, she was, when it came to her having a child. But let's flip the script. How many single folk think the same way? No matter how old you are, and I'm talking about male and female. Like Sarai, they think this thing ain't happening soon enough. Oh, come on. I don't want to be single all my life. Okay, hallelujah. And I'm pretty sure Sarai was looking at all these babies running around. 
and wondering, hey, what meaneth this? I'm the man of God's wife. The man that God made covenant with. The man that God talks to personally. Something's wrong with this picture. All these women run around with babies and I can't have one. And he hears from God. <laughs> Hello. Oh, that's what single people do. Especially when they hear about somebody getting married. What about me? Come on, where's my woman of virtue? Where's my man of valor? I'm serving in the church. I read my Bible. I pray. Come on, say amen. Something wrong with this picture. Don't they know how fired I am? <laughs> then they say, forget this. There's got to be some Hagar's out there. <laughs> I don't care if they're saved or not. Come on. And then they end up what? Making the wrong decision in that defining moment. When God told them, just be patient. I'm working on something. Come on. God promised them, listen, I have the right one for you. And she, he or she is going to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and on fire for God. But the enemy will say, listen, hey, I have a Hagar over there. He or she is fine. They got a little money. They appear to be saved, but that's not, that's, a, that, but that's all, they, all you need is an appearance. The rest will work itself out. Take the Hagar. Why? They're in that defining moment. Just like Abraham and Sarah was. And end up settling blessed than God's best. Oh, hallelujah. And all the single folks say. And all the single folks say. I ain't seen no high those single brothers out there. All right, amen, 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 hallelujah. I'm talking about a single row back there, back there, back there. <laughs> so verse 2 says, And Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold now, the Lord has restrained me from what? Barren. She went so far as to even blame God for the reason she was barren. She says, The Lord's part I don't have any children. So I pray thee, go in unto, unto my, my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. Now, in this defining moment, this next defining moment, which is part two of that defining moment, Abram didn't say, wait a minute, baby. Didn't you hear what God said? He said, this promise is coming out of your womb. We just have to trust God on this because I believe God and it was counted unto me for righteousness. 
Now we know, we all know that Abram did not become a faith giant overnight. It was a process. Amen? And it was a myriad of defining moments. Come on, say amen, somebody. So what did Abram, what does, what, what does Abram do in this defining moment? It says, and Abram did what? Abram did what? He hearkened to the voice of Sarai. The question is, what happened to the promise of God? What happened to the covenant God made with him? What happened was time. Somebody say time. Time and going by what they seen and not by what they believed that the word of God said. What happened? Their promise was challenged and they failed. What God said was challenged and they what? Dropped the ball. And listen, they both dropped the ball. Let me say it again. They both dropped the ball. Neither one of them stood on the promise of God. And all God needed, all God needed is for one of them to stand up and say, no, God said. Oh, yeah, anybody in here? But what happened? Sarah offered, and Abraham quickly hearkened before she could even change her mind. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. So in verse 3, it says, Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abraham had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. Now, Hagar, she was just the maid doing what her master asked her to do. But even though, I'm pretty sure, in the back of her mind, it was like, yes. I'm going to have the promised child. It's going to come out of my womb. Because it didn't say that Sarah dragged her in there. She was more than willing, folks. <laughs> Hello. And it says in verse 4, And he went into an, in unto Hagar, and she what? Conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was what? Despised in her eyes. Now, we don't know how many times Sarah had to watch this woman go into her man's tent and she come out smiling. <laughs> come on. Are you listening to me out here? And you know, each time Abraham went in there, he had to have that serious look on his face. <laughs> when he came out. <laughs> Come on, he had it. Baby, this don't mean nothing. You're still my number one girl. She can't touch you, baby. I'm just being obedient to your command. <laughs> Just like, just like a man has a woman on the side, and he's telling you, 
you're still my number one. And you sit up there and believe it like a dummy. Or a woman that has had several men and she's telling you, it was just sex with them, but I love you. Oh, come on. Somebody say defining moments. <laughs> come on, say defining moments. <laughs> but as soon as that baby was conceived, Sarah realized she failed in her defining moments. And Abraham realized it too, folks. Come on, he realized what the problems that the problems that can arise when you're trying to dangle between two women. Eventually, the finger is going to be pointed to you. It's all your fault. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. That's why God said you ought to have one wife. I understand this. People say, well, a lot of men in the Old Testament have more than one wife. God put that there for a reason. Anytime you've seen a man in the Bible with more than one wife, God let that stay there to show you as an example the problems <laughs> that arise for you trying to have more than one woman. And they all had problems. So don't be trying to use that as an excuse to have more than one. Amen. You can't have them more than one. Why? Because there will eventually be problems. <laughs> Look at verse 5. And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon me. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. I got to read this from the Message Bible. Verse 4 and 5. Because the Message Bible describes how bad it really was. Look at what it said. Verse 4. It says, the Message Bible, he slept with Hagar. And she got pregnant. And when she learned she was pregnant, she looked down on her mistress. And you know how women can get when they know they took your man. <laughs> okay. Oh, y'all don't know? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> there go. I just gave him something that you couldn't give him. <laughs> what was Sarah's reaction? Sarah told Abram, It's all your fault. That I'm suffering this abuse. I put my maid in bed with you, and a minute, and the minute she knows she's pregnant, she treats me like I'm nothing. May God listen to this now. May God decide which of us is right. Now all of a sudden she puts God in the middle of her mess. 
and God had nothing to do with it. Come on, say amen, somebody. It wasn't God's decision for you to give your handmaiden to your husband. And it wasn't God's decision for you, Abram, to hark it. What he's saying, that was you looking at your biological clock and both of y'all acting out in the flesh, going by what you see and not what you believe. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. But now that these problems come up, you want to bring God in the picture. Let God choose. Amen. Hallelujah. And this is what's happening when you make the wrong choice in that defining moment, especially when it comes to dating. And all my single people say, and look at this. And Abraham did what most men do. He threw it back on her as if it was all her fault. <laughs> Look at verse 6. And Abraham said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleases thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. But you got to read this in the Message Bible. <laughs> the Message Bible says, he looks at her and says, you decide, said Abram. Your mate is your business. Now all of a sudden she's your business. Like you had nothing to do with it. <laughs> and it says, Sarah was what? Abusive to Hagar and she ran away. And none of this would have happened if they would have just trusted God in that defining moment concerning their marriage and the promise he made to them. Oh, anybody with me here? And to this day, we're still dealing with the consequences of their decision in that defining moment. Look at Galatians 4.28. To this day. To this day. Come on, are you getting anything out of this? Galatians chapter 4 verse 28 where it says, now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born out of the flesh did what? Persecuted him that was what? Talking about Ishmael. Persecuted him that was born out of the spirit. It says, even so, it is now. We're dealing with the effects of their decision in that defining moment in the Middle East. And around the world with terrorism. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. That's why you have to take this serious when you're presented with a defining moment in relationships. Your decision in that relationship can have a generational effect. Somebody say generational. It can affect how your children view marriage. It can affect how your children view relationship when it's their time to. It affect how your children view having children out of wedlock. 
how your children view church, whether they go or not when they get older. Oh, I'm preaching good. That's why they throw up in your face. Well, you did it when you were my age. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. So go back to Genesis 16, 15. Because they throw that in your face real quick, you know. But it was all because of you. <laughs> and the defining moment that you made. To have no men come in your house. In some cases, every time another man come in, he's daddy. They done had 10 and 4 and 50 daddies. <laughs> this is real. Genesis 16, 15. I said, and Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was what? Four score and what? Six years old. When Hagar bare what? Ishmael to Abram. So look at this now. Because it says Abram was 86 years old when he made that decision in that defining moment. Now go to chapter 17, verse 1. I want you to notice something. Genesis 17, 1, it says when Abram was what? 90 years old and 9. Now he's 99. The Lord appeared to him, appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am what? The Almighty God. Do what? Walk before me and be thou what? Perfect. So it was 13 years before God spoke to Abraham again. 13 years. And here, it's like God appears to him again and says, listen, I'm going to tell you again what I promised you the first time. And see, some people don't clearly hear from God because why? In that defining moment, they keep making the wrong decisions and the wrong choices. When God clearly told them what to do, God clearly told them what not to do. Then they have a fault because they don't even see God enough to the point they clearly hear God's force before they go and do it. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. So what God does, God reaffirms his covenant of Abraham and says in verse 2, And I will make a covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And said, Abram fell on his face, and God talked to him, saying, I guess you better fall on your face for God to give you another chance. Come on, you ain't heard from God in 13 years, and God appears and says, start talking to you. You better fall on your face, roll around. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Abram fell on his face, and God talked to him, saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name anymore be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I, will, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generation for a what? Everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed what? After thee. But then God said, but this time, it's going to cost you something. There's something you're going to have to do 
to remind yourself of the covenant I made with you. And it ain't going to be easy. Look at verse 10. <laughs> it said, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you must be circumcised. <laughs> Verse 11, he finally woke up. And she shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. And that shall be what? Token of covenant between me and you. How old is Abram? <laughs> How old is Abram? Do you know what it means? <laughs> be circumcised at 99 years old. <laughs> Glory to God. Come on, it hurts even just thinking about it. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. And all the fellas said, defining moment. Come on, all the fellows say defining moment. <laughs> they can't even say it. So. <laughs> now, circumcision is literally a sign, a mark on the body, stamping its bearer as a servant of God. I know what God is saying now. I know you need to have something to remind you of my promises. <laughs> Just in case, if Sarah ever <laughs> comes up with this stupid idea, like that one again, just <laughs> look down. <laughs> And remember the pain. <laughs> Look down. Remember the pain you endured. Because you made the wrong decision. During that defining moment when you couldn't keep your pants up. Amen. Hallelujah. Now the Shema states that God ordained the sign to be placed on a reproductive organ to symbolize circumcision is essential to Jewish eternity. In other words, this is a reminder of generations after you that will be affected by this covenant, so don't mess it up again. Amen. So in this defining moment, 
he not only had to get circumcised himself, but had to circumcise every male in his household. Now, how would you like to be a male in Abraham's household and he comes to you saying, God said that it has to be cut off. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Now, today we know the medical reasons why you have to circumcise a child. But back then, it wasn't about, it wasn't about medical reasons, folks. It was about covenant and a reminder of that covenant. It's going to be painful. It's going to be painful. It's going to be painful. So this is your defining moment. Because I'm pretty sure they did not have the surgical tools that we have today. This is not going to be easy. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> but this time God gives him a choice. Look at verse 14. Because if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. And the uncircumcised man's child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul, shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. It's broken because why? That means you really didn't believe it. Come on, say amen, somebody. And understand that the Shumas says, an adult who intentionally remains, intentionally remains uncircumcised, suffers spiritual excision. Spiritual excision means that the soul loses its share in the world to come. And the violator may die childless or prematurely. Come on. This was a serious defining moment for Abraham. And the males in his household that are following him. But all this is hanging on what God told Abraham to do. Come on, say amen somebody. So in this defining moment, Abram has to fess up and say, hey, y'all, <laughs> I made a mistake the first time God told me about this covenant. I let certain things get in the way. I was looking at time, and I was all in the flesh. Come on, back then I heard from God, but I didn't follow through and do it his way. He has to come to this. What is he doing? So now God's requiring a sign that we really get it this time. Not just for myself, but every male in here. I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry, brothers. But you're going to have to do it too. So what he had to do? He had to eat some humble pie. In that defining moment, you're going to have to do what you have to do, especially if it's going to affect those around you and those who are following you. 
And it may require a sign that will affect you the most. And I'm pretty sure this was a sign that really affected Abram. Say amen, brothers. Say amen, brothers. It was a defining moment that now God has said, or now God is what? Giving me another chance. Am I going to do it? Even if it causes me some pain. Somebody say defining moment. See, this was number six, and there's, no, and there's many notable defining moments, folks. But notice, it dealt with his spiritual and natural side. He had to do something in the natural to solidify what he's believing in the spirit. Let me say it again. He had to do something in the natural to solidify what he was believing God in the spirit. The sages teach by removing the skin covering the organ of continuity. Circumcision teaches that man must eliminate barriers blocking his advancement. Let me say it again. The sages teach by removing the skin covering the organ of continuity. Circumcision teaches that man must eliminate barriers blocking his advancement. And God was teaching the Jews that they had the ability to remove the barriers that prevented them from ascending higher spiritually. But according to the Shumats, God gives man the ability, therefore he must do it, even if it's to his hurt. God was teaching the Jews that they had the ability to remove the barriers that prevented them from ascending higher spiritually. And according to the Shumat, God gives man the ability, therefore he must do it, even if it's to his heart. And God is saying there are some things that you're going to have to circumcise in the natural in order to advance in the spiritual. Let me say that again. There are going to be some things that you're going to have to circumcise in the natural in order to advance in the spiritual. And this is going to be your defining moment. God has given you the ability. Now it's up to you to make the right decision the right choice, and do the right thing, even if it's to your hurt. Even if it causes you much pain. Because sometimes in the midst of that much pain, there is much gain. Let your hands be full. Oh, we give you glory, Lord. Come on, we give you honor, Lord. Come on, God said this is the year revelation will increase. God's given us revelation. Father, we thank and we praise and we glorify your holy and majestic name. Giving you all the glory, giving you all the honor, Father.